2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Amen. Father God, we pray that you will teach us this morning. Let your word bless our hearts and minds. That your word will be our spiritual nourishment. That it will increase our heights, our understanding. And it will mature us so that we will be healthy, grown, powerful men and women of God in service of your will. So I pray that you will speak through your servant. I pray that your people will be available, will be open, will be humble to receive your word. So, Father, I pray that you will be present and you will speak to all of us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, as you know, we've been on the topic of serving for past two weeks. And we are, once again, on the topic for the final time. And I want you to know, look up here, Grace Point, church, everyone. It's the same message and that I would like to drive to you. Serving is our calling, amen? Serving is our duty and responsibility. If you are a person belonging to Jesus Christ, if you are a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, it is our duty. It is our responsibility to serve the Lord, serve the church, the body of Jesus Christ, as Jesus himself exemplified that to us. How did he do it? Well, our Lord Jesus Christ is, is the king, undisputable king and the Lord of the whole world, the universe. But what kind of king is he? He's the servant. He is the servant king. He came not to be served. But folks, he came to serve us. To satisfy the greatest, our greatest needs. So, as servants of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, what do we have to do? We must also serve. Amen? That's what we are called to do. If he is the leader, if he is the Lord, and we follow one of the most 
definite thing that he has done for us. Serving us. Rolling up his sleeves. Getting down on, on his knees and washing his disciples. That's Jesus Christ. It's our call. Now as we serve, last Sunday we share, there are three items, three things in us that we need to daily be reminded of and daily we need to work on so we cultivate, we mature on these things in order for us to serve well. What are those things? Faithfulness. Humility. And teachability. Faithfulness, humility, teachability. As good servants, faithfulness, we must be consistently faithful, committed, consistent. Humility. We have to be humble, selflessly, as Jesus exemplified for us. We have to be does that mean? You gotta be willing to listen. You don't have everything figured out. You do not know everything. Therefore, we are willing to listen and teachable and learn. These are the critical items among many other things that will help us to be a better, good servants. Yet, these are the items that we must cultivate in us so that one day our hope and desire. Hope and prayer is what? One day we will hear from the Lord himself, Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. You know, I lost my friend. I lost my um, church member, old church member from San Antonio. I, I, I lost him. He, he's the one who purchased this guitar for uh, massive heart attack, January 31st, um, celebrating another friend. Uh, on that birthday, they had lunch, and he went home on his couch, massive heart attack, and never recovered. But he was faithful. I remember him just being faithful. He's 30 years old, and he never addressed me as Jason has addressed me like a kid that does not know with the wealth of experience he has, but the respect that he has for me for the office that I hold. How he was a father figure to us, to me and Christina. How he served our family. How he served the church in children's ministry. How he was able to provide just any holes that he see in the building, he will come during the week and fill. I imagine for him to hear these words. Well done, my good. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join in my gladness. This morning I bless you in the name of the Lord. That you will run faithfully. You will labor fruitfully. Pray that one day you will hear these words. That it is your hope and desire to stand before the Lord and hear him say to you, look into your eyes and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
enter into my rest, my joy, the joy of your master. Amen. Today I would like to talk to you about one last yet important biblical teaching on serving in the church. And that is this. Folks, serving is giving. Serving is giving and giving is serving. For us to understand this simple yet important aspect of serving, what we will do is we will dive into 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which is all about the Macedonian Christians sending a material, financial aid to the Christians in Jerusalem. We're going to look into this. So first, let us address this. Why? Why serving is giving? Why is giving serving? And we're going to base on the words of 2 Corinthians 8, and we will expound upon it. Now, in this passage, the Apostle Paul tells us that the churches, churches, small churches, house churches in uh, Macedonia, they got together. Macedonia is northern part of Greece. Now, these Christians got together and they gathered whatever they can muster in order to give a financial aid to the church in Jerusalem, the single church, the Jewish Christian church in Jerusalem. Now, why are they doing this? What's going on in Jerusalem? Well, there was a severe famine in the region of Palestine. And therefore, it affected these saints, these Christians, the church in Jerusalem, and they were greatly suffering because of this natural disaster. So, upon hearing their uh, distress, Macedonian churches, these Christians, they have gathered the collections they can, whatever they can muster, and they decide to send that off with Paul in order to support the Christians in Jerusalem, Jewish Christians. Now that's what we just read, but think about it. When you think about this, we have seen this in the New Testament. We have seen it in Acts, how they share material goods and give financial things to uh, help and enhance the livelihood of one It is nice, Christian helping Christians. It's really nice to see that, and it is quite normal and natural for us to see that in the New Testament. But what stands out here is in verse 2. What should draw your attention is verse 2. What does it say? In verse 2, Paul says this, In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. What is Paul saying here? What they're saying is the Macedonian Christians were in fact not rich, but poor. Not just poor, they're dirt poor. They're poor and they were in their extreme poverty. So there is this abundance of joy and what also exists in them is this extreme poverty. But through, in these both conditions, what overflow? A wealth of generosity. Look at verse 3. 
Paul says, according to their means. In, in other words, according to their ability they gave. And he said, I can testify. I can be a witness. Some will give beyond their ability. Beyond their ability. Again, they're dirt poor. They're in poverty. And they gave in their own accord. In other words, it was their own volition. Paul did not guilt trip them to give. He did not twist their arms in order for this to happen. Look at verse 4. They, the Christians in Macedonia, even earnestly were begging. They were begging. Why? Because apostle would not allow them to give. Why? Even for Paul, he felt, what are you doing? You're not in any condition to give this. In fact, they themselves should receive some assistance. When Paul himself felt that they were not in any condition to give or help others, it tells us how poor they are. And Paul adds in verse 5, Not only Paul himself, but his company, we did not expect such giving, such generosity, because you can't expect out of these poor people. And yet, to their surprise, Paul says, these Macedonian brothers and sisters, they gave in generosity, in spite and despite of their financial struggles. So even for Paul, it was a great blessing to receive their love, to receive their generosity. I want you to look at verse 6. And then there is this phrase. Paul calls this an act of act of what they have done. In collecting, gathering, their uh, whatever they can muster according to their ability and according to beyond their ability. And they gathered for the distressed Christians in Jerusalem and Paul called this what? An act of Now some other translation, English translation renders this act of grace as gracious or simply grace, or simply favor. But the point of all this is this. They had this understanding of grace that they had received from the Lord. What God in Jesus Christ has done for them. They had this understanding of grace, and they have this love that they had received, and love for the Christians, the brothers and sisters in Christ that they have never met, but they have this yearning, and they have this love, they have this sympathy for them. And out of that, such a gracious act of giving took place. So in this love, in this grace that they experience day to day from the Lord himself, and in this love that they have for brothers and sisters, because this love for brothers and sisters, you can obviously tell existed in their own church. It is already being evident in the church in Macedonia. So in the grace that they daily receive in their poverty, 
and the love that they have for one another, helping one another in their common poverty. These people willingly gathered and these people willingly brought it to the feet of the Apostle Paul. And they had done this despite of their afflictions and poverty. And when the Apostle expressed his reluctance to receive their gift, what did they do? They begged. They were begging. Please! that those who are suffering in Jerusalem would benefit from this and receive relief they desperately need. I want you to think about that image. There are dirt poor. They're in poverty. Heard the news of Jerusalem. They're Jewish now. And they gather Paul himself knows what they're going through. Yet they insist and insist and to the point of begging. Now with that imagery, I want you to think about this. You know, they could have just gathered as a group. And they could have fervently prayed together for the church in Jerusalem. That God would hear their prayer. That God would ease their suffering. That God would do something tangible to relieve whatever natural disaster they were going through, right? Yes. They could have simply gathered and wrote an encouraging letter to the church in Jerusalem and sent it off along with Paul to lift up their spirit. They could have given their time as they gathered together and pray and lift up and trust in God that God would do all these things for them. They cannot physically be there, but they can write these words or pray for these people. They could give their time and effort. And because they were in no condition to give financially, even if they had done that, no one would have blamed them, right? Because even Paul himself would say, uh-uh-uh, you can't give. You don't even have every, anything to feed your own children. Pay your rent. Fill in your retirement. No one would blame them if they hadn't done this, if hadn't, they had not. Not even Paul. Yet, they did. Yet, they did. And this, Paul calls it an act of grace. And their act of grace, as you can imagine, is so outrageous. Just radical. And some will say it's irresponsible, illogical. That is why it's act of grace. It's not act of compensation. It's act of grace. 
Yet they wanted, in spite and despite of their condition, they wanted to serve their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. They wanted to help them real, tangible way. They, I'm sure, blessed the offering. I'm sure when they did the drive, in collection drive, they prayed. Giving. Giving is serving. Don't separate Folks, do you understand how far away you know they are from each other? Here is a Macedonian church. And this is Jerusalem, how far they are. This is about twenty five hundred kilometers away. You can't compute that, can you? Twenty five kilometers. We don't know how many kilometers. Right, so 2,500 kilometers is 1,600 miles. So that is like, that is like Christians here in Georgia is being concerned and, and, and have this burden in their heart for the brothers and sisters that exist in, say, roughly Denver, Colorado, Albuquerque, New Mexico, East Coast, all the way up there, not in U.S., up in Canada. That 1,600-mile boundary. It, this is unreal. This is unusual. Now, in our fast-traveling era, in our digitally well-connected era, even then, this is unusual, right? For you to consider these people in Denver, Albuquerque, up in New Mexico, I mean, Canada somewhere as your brothers and sisters that you your heart aches that you consider them as your brothers and sisters as you yourself who are who might be right next to you as you know they were doing this in the first century environment for them 1600 miles is like ends of the earth months to get Macedonian Christians were more than happy, more than eager to help these brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because for them, serving is giving. Giving for them is serving. How do you serve these people in those streets? Now, I want you to think about this. Is serving easy? Is serving natural, automatic? No. We established that a long time ago. Whether it is your significant other, your own spouse, your own children, your own parents, your brothers and sisters, serving is not easy and it is unnatural. How about giving? Is it easy? Is it natural for you to give? Absolutely not. Just as hard for you to serve, 
giving is just as hard, just as difficult and unnatural to all of us. But some might ask, you're born again Christian? Some might say, you have experienced free gifts, grace of God with no strings attached, and you can serve, you can give? The answer is Even after you experience this born-again life, you understand the cross. Serving still is foreign. Giving is still unnatural. It's like any other discipline as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, in this Christian walk, along with the Lord himself. Just like any dis- discipline that we would like to I'm telling you, giving and serving requires your discipline. Giving and serving requires your effort, willing and patient. Even though we understand serving can be hard. In order for you to give, you have to be disciplined with what the Lord has blessed you with. In order for you to give, you have to be disciplined with what you have received from the Lord. Your life, bread, and job, and paycheck. Because it comes down to your choice, your willingness, in order for you to Just like serving, it's not about your talents, it's not about your gifts. When it comes to serving, it's nothing to do how gifted, how knowledgeable, how experienced you are. Just like it, giving is nothing about how much you make and how much you can give. It's nothing about your ability to make money. It has nothing to do with whether you make six figure or not, it has nothing to do with it. But it is all about how much you trust your Lord. It's not about how much you make, but it is about how you trust the Lord. Is he the Lord? Would he be able to try, uh, provide for you? Is all things in his hands? Because giving will help you to learn how to trust your Lord. And you just might be surprised by how God blesses your trust and your obedience. How He will bless your Luke chapter 16 verse 10 tells us how God honors our choice to give. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. What is he saying? In terms of giving, if you can manage your money prudently, wisely, when times are tough, when you make little, 
will build the skills, build the necessary discipline you need to in order to manage your money wisely when times are abundant, when times are tough. If you don't know how to manage your wealth when you have little, what makes you think that you will know how to spend it and manage it? When you are tempted to pause your giving, when you are tempted to pause your time, when you are afraid to give and you want to clutch your hand and hold because of the crisis in your life and fearful of what's coming to you, I pray that you will learn to trust your God. Because no matter what you won't prevent what I hope and pray that you will learn to trust God and continue to serve the Lord by giving and being prudent in your budgeting and your spending. It has nothing to do with how much you make and what's coming in. Giving has nothing to do with it. It has absolutely everything. Amen. If your faith is shaking, look at your checkbook. If your walk with the Lord is sparse and further away, look at your gift. All of you received some sort of a contribution letter from Grace. Your journey with the Lord will be evident through 2020, 2021, 2022, and so on and so forth, how deeply you are maturing in faith, how deeply you are trusting, how closely you are walking with the Lord, look at your giving. How He is blessing you, how He is leading you, look at your giving. Again, again, it has nothing to do with yourself. How much you make. It has everything to do with your trust when you give and you serve God and serving is giving. Giving is serving. Now there is another place in the Bible that Paul talks about this particular incident, this particular giving. That he talked about in 2 Corinthians 8. There is another place that Paul referenced. And that is from Romans 15. In Romans 15 verse 25 through 27. This is what Paul says. And in here he makes rather a very interesting point. As to why the Macedonian Christians were so compelled to give. And according to Paul. The Macedonian Christians were not simply willing to give. Simply giving were just out of their generosity, but in fact they were paying back, giving in order to pay back what they owe. Listen to this, verse 25, at present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia has, have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and, and pay attention to this, this is what it says. They were pleased to do this 
indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing, they ought also to be service to them in material blessing. What, what is he saying? Paul is saying the Macedonian believers were more than happy to help because they found it to be a great opportunity for them to pay back what they have received. They receive something so great they want to pay back to these saints that are struggling in Jerusalem. So what did they receive? What did the Christians in Jerusalem receive? I mean, what, what did the Christians in Macedonia receive from the Christians in Jerusalem? What was it that they received? They felt they were indebted and they have to pay back. It was through the second missionary journey Paul saw this figure in his vision come to Macedonia. And he answered this call. And he brought Silas, Timothy, and Lucas. And they went to Macedonia and Philippi and on they preached the gospel. They shared the blessing, the grace of Lord Jesus Christ. And through their efforts, they have come to hear the gospel, receive Lord Jesus, and they were able to share in the spiritual blessing along with the Christian Jews. Now, as far as these Christians in Macedonia are concerned, as far as for their concern, they themselves receive this act of grace and in, in, for their knowledge, it is the church in Jerusalem sent out these missionaries in Paul, Silas, Timothy, and through these men and their act of giving and act of grace, they have received the gospel. They have heard the good news. And they receive this spiritual blessing, eternal life. So, they felt owe it to them. They feel that they owe it to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. They felt that they have received this act of grace from the church in Jerusalem. So, in their abundance of joy, also in their abundance of extreme poverty, both exist, by the way. In both conditions, they abundantly Jerusalem church did not call up and say, hey, time to pay up. Now it's time to pay up. Right? They themselves, the first church in Jerusalem, the first church in Jerusalem, this is the church that nurtured and brought Christian faith and sent these missionaries. That's how they see it in Macedonia. So this act of given by the Jerusalem church, received by the Macedonian church, but it's not passive. It's not passive. It was not done by This is the act of giving and receiving, not done by giving. 
church, Christian serving, Christian giving. Same thing. It's God's love being manifested in our lives. Christian serving, Christian giving is God's love being expressed outwardly in the midst of the body of Christ. So in other words, serving one another is an outward expression of our inward thanks to God for what he has done for us in Jesus Christ. That's serving. Outward expression of our thanks and gratitude for God in Jesus Christ. Giving, then, is also an outward expression of our inward recognition and thanks and trust to God for what He has given you. What He has blessed you with. Giving is your outward Serving is giving and giving is serving. And your serving through giving is imitating your Lord Jesus Christ. It's following the example of your Lord Jesus Christ. Why? He became poor to make you rich in his grace, in his righteousness. He was poor. He was God after all. But he became poor so that you become rich in his grace. And I want to I want to read, it's not part of the text, but two verses down in verse 9. I'll close it by reading this. Look what Paul says. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his act of grace. Though he was rich, yet for your sake, he, the Lord Jesus Christ, became poor. Why? So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. When you serve, you follow Jesus Christ. You exemplify, you look most like Jesus When you give, You and I are rich with spiritual blessing beyond our imagination, salvation, eternity with God. That's something we cannot even fathom. If the gospel, if the gospel is real to you, you understand how you became so rich by receiving his his gracious act of giving. If you understand that, you all serve like Amen. If you understand that, you ought to give as he did. The act of grace was portable.
I hope that it has never stopped you from asking questions to be like to like to have to shape you. That's not the end of the bargain. Just like the Macedonian Christians, first of all, it was not even mission trip that was organized It was told. It was a hint. But for them, it was intention. It was a part of the church and The act of grace. For them, it was sent from that Blessings beyond your imagination. And my hope and prayer is that you do not forget the act of grace that you are willing to give. You are willing to give your children as you follow the leader of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. respond in your own words as the Spirit guides you. I don't know how your giving looks like. I don't know how much you give. I do not know what kind of crisis you might be in. I do not know how fearful you might be about your upcoming But I do know God will not forsake you. I do know God will abundantly bless you so that you will continue to be his child, that you will continue to serve and live as his kingdom citizen. So he will provide. He will bless you. All the needs will be the way that we demonstrate that faith, that trust, is by giving. There's no other way that you demonstrate that inward trust that you have, the inward faith you have, without outward expression of faith. I hope you trust. Hope you have faith and let that be part of your service. Is serving, is giving, and giving really is serving. In your own words, if you could just take a moment to pray with the leading of the Spirit, and I'll close this up. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks to you for your ultimate act of sacrifice. Your ultimate act of grace by sending your son. Humbly obedient, he went to the cross and died in our place. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
we're forever near. We're forever protected and blessed in your We could not have received any more precious gift from your son, Jesus We are empty supplied. We're rich by your son's May the act of grace is Lord Jesus Christ and not be forgotten. As you have given to us and as we freely receive, Lord, help us to give back to you willingly, gladly, with abundance of joy. Not because of our richness, how empty we had, or how little we need. As we are reminded in the New Testament, the woman who gave up she, Jesus, she gave the man. She gave her heart. Father, I pray that in faith and trust may we continue to serve you and serve your as we give our time, as we give our effort, as we give our material, as we also give our finances. God, I pray that you nudge our hearts, encourage us, even convict us. May our giving demonstrate our faith. May our giving reflect our trust in you always. Bless your people, Lord. Continue to lead them and guide them, protect them. Father, we thank you so much for what you have provided for this church. And may we be faithful for the things that you have allotted to us. Use it wisely. Help us to be prudent, good, and faithful servants. Father, we thank you. We pray all this